the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to the Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotograph's editor, Eno Saris. And today we'll be discussing great pitching performances and debating between the young and the old. But first, I want to talk about the absurdity of a quote yesterday. And, and this is exactly why I hate injuries, dealing with it, speculating. Ian Kinsler, I don't know if you read this, but he said yesterday that he has an undisclosed nagging injury somewhere above the ankle and below the neck. Seriously? (laughs) How is that helpful? That's like finding out that Ian Kinsler cursed out the media and he used a term that started with the letter A between the letter Z. (laughs) Yeah. It also uh, could go on his tombstone or or, or be the story of his career. (laughs) Well, if that's what he's known for, then he definitely has not had a successful life. So let's hope that that's not the case. (laughs) (sighs) Or imagine his tombstone said that he passed away sometime between the year 1900 and 2100. (laughs) Also not helpful. No, not helpful at all. All right. So our most interesting player alive today, we are going to celebrate the rookie season of one Jose Fernandez. Is he basically the most under-the-radar story of the year? I mean, he could be the story of the year. A 219 ERA, a .98 whip for a rookie who's only 20 years old to start the year, 21 now. And I don't think he's getting enough fanfare for this am i right well i mean uh, now he's getting some negative attention for the crazy bat flip um and the spitting on third base that he did it against atlanta uh in his last start but um you know i think uh he's he's pretty amazing i've I've liked him from the minute i saw his first start and um you know like you know you you saw I've, i've spent some money on him to get him in a bunch of leagues and um, I think that there's, you know, obviously his batting average of balls of play is not going to stay 240 for his career, but, um, you know, I do think that he could actually show better control as he, as he matures. And I think he might be able to throw the change up a little bit more. So I, I wonder if he's not, you know, now that Matt Harvey's hurt, if he's not the best young pitcher in the game. Yeah, this is true, and obviously we still have to wait to find out if Harvey is actually going to undergo Tommy John surgery, and the decision should come in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, I, I think it would be kind of silly for him not to, but who knows? We're not doctors. But the the strange thing about Jose Fernandez is that when you watch him and his pitch mix, uh, I guess maybe it's also similar to Garrett Cole and other hard throwers who have outwardly really good stuff is that a swinging strike percentage yeah it's above the league average but if you're watching pitch you would think that it might be league leading and i mean why why do you think that maybe he hasn't generated as many swinging strikes as it would seem just based on watching how good his stuff is well you know one thing that occurs to me is that his major secondary piece is a slurve and um 
you know, uh, pitch FX has a little problem with BIS has it as a slider and a curve, but it's actually one pitch and, uh, pitch FX has it, actually has it right as a curveball, but, um, it's a slur because it's got a lot of horizontal movement. And the thing that's amazing about it for him is that he's got great control of it. But with all that horizontal movement, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he actually has a, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he does have a lower strikeout rate against lefties. Yeah, he does. And, and actually looking at his baseball reference data, he gets a lot of looking strikes. It's well above the league average. And, uh, I mean, so that explains why he, he has struck out over a batter per inning, yet doesn't have an exceptional swinging strike percentage. And looking at his pitch mix, his, sec- uh, his um, second most thrown pitch is the curveball. And we know, obviously, the curveball has a, a higher looking strike rate than, like, the slider and the changeup. So just based on his pitch mix, uh, you know, it's not that surprising. Right. And. I think that, you know, you could see that the changeup to me looks really good. I, you know, there's some question about it, um, but uh, I really I really like it. And, and like Garrett Cole, um, who also has great secondary stuff and is now showing better uh, peripherals as he's um, using his secondary stuff more, his breaking stuff more, I think that you could actually see some of Fernandez's numbers go up as he um, – as he starts using uh, the changeup more, because it'll give him more of a weapon against lefties. Um, and if it's a swing and miss changeup, which it sort of looks like to me, as opposed to like a ground ball changeup, then um, it could be a really good uh, another way. You know, as his velocity goes down, he, you know, if he uses the changeup more, it could be a way to sort of maintain a strikeout per inning. And I don't think there is enough I can possibly say about Jose Fernandez's season. I think many either don't even realize or have forgotten just because we're at the end of the season that he hasn't pitched higher than the high A level. He never pitched a double A. He never pitched a triple A. We rarely see this in pitchers. We see it a lot where they skip triple A and they jump right from double A. I know Tim Lincecum was a recent example. I'm sure there's many more, but I can't recall anybody in recent memory that has gone all the way from high A let alone dominated at the major league level in his rookie season after doing so. It's crazy. I don't, I don't actually know why he came up from, from high A because, you know, I don't think the Marlins looked at this season as like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, contend this year. And, um, you know, are they doing it to, like, trade him? That doesn't make any sense. They've got him for six years. So I have no idea why they did it. He could have. I, I, it, obviously, he didn't really need it, but he could have spent the time, um, you know, in, in double A. In, yes, terrible in, move by the Marlins. Obviously, they didn't know what they were doing. Why wasn't he pitching in double A this entire time? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe they just were like, hey, he's so good that maybe people will actually come to the park. Plus, you know, he's Cuban, so maybe he'll he'll help us, you know. You know, get some fans in the seats, even while we have a bad year. I mean, that's a, that's not a terrible reason, I guess. But I don't think it actually works that way. I mean, you know, yes, you win some more games, but you don't win enough games that people are like, "Oh, the Marlins are winning. I'm going to go to the park." And you know, I don't think that we we looked at the numbers for Garrett Cole a little bit, and it pushes the numbers like maybe a thousand or two thousand people come if you have like a really good pitcher pitching. So. Um, I don't think that really moves the needle for them in terms of making money. So I think it was a little bit of a bad idea still. I mean, I do think that, even though he was great. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense for them as a company. 
but uh, it was a great year, so I'm glad I did it. So he pitched 172 innings this year, meaning that next year we really don't have to worry about any real innings cap. Even if he threw 200 innings, it's only about 27 and change innings more than this year. And and so that's not going to really cap his potential fantasy value, which is really good for anybody who has him in a keeper league or, or is considering owning him next year. Where does he rank among starting pitchers next year? Would, would, would you put him in top 20, top 25, top 15? I, I'm sure you're not going to go crazy and, and say top 10, but... No, I mean, you know, the, the guys that I get are always, I never get the top three, four guys because I don't spend that on that, like that on pitching. So uh, I always get, um, I always try to get two guys in the top 20, basically. Two guys, and I try to draft them in rounds five through nine. So I try to get two guys that are, that could be aces, and then hopefully one of them will be ace if I'm lucky, two, both of them are aces. Um, and he's definitely going to be a guy I'm going to target in that area. So I'm saying definitely top 20, uh, you know, and I think probably top 15. And it's not crazy to put him in top 10 because there are age considerations and other considerations for a lot of the other guys that are in the top 10. So, um, you know, I'm, I haven't really looked at it yet. We're going to have to do a, a mock draft soon so we can start looking at this. But uh, but uh, I, I, I don't think it's crazy to put him just outside the top 10. Put him in the top 15, top 20 seems like a, a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and the Marlins offense, we have to remember, isn't as atrocious as it was to open the year. It's not the automatic stream against. It's not the, oh, we don't want any Marlins pitchers because they're going to get absolutely zero run support. This is a, a young, interesting offense that could surprise next year. They still have Stanton. Who knows how long they're going to continue to have Stanton. But they have a lot of young guys uh, that could break out. And, and so they could be you know, a, a mediocre offense that you don't automatically avoid pitchers on the team. Fernandez wins. Fernandez got 12 wins and 28 starts. You know, I don't ever chase wins. If he got 15 wins for me next year, I'd be happy. So, um, yeah, I don't really see anything to worry about. I love the fact that he's NL. If you, I, my rule of thumb is if you add 20% to their innings total, that could be a soft cap for them. Um, so if you add 20% to his innings total, he's over 200. So, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing leaps out of me at all, really. All right. Yesterday, I was asked a very interesting question, and it's comparing two players, but it also is about the theoretical veteran versus the hot youngster. And so let's talk about specifically for next year, who are you taking, Mark Trumbo or Will Myers? Now, Mark Trumbo isn't exactly the perfect example of some established veteran because he's still uh, on the good side of 30 years old, but... I mean, he's obviously more of an established veteran than Will Myers. So between the two, who do you like better next year? Yeah, um, I think Trumbo, actually. I mean, it's it's hard because that's a good good question because Trumbo is flawed, obviously. I, I don't think you can project Trumbo into any better than like a 260 batting average. Um, and, uh, and obviously we're not talking on base percentage league because then – it would be Myers by landslide. But, um, you know, in a regular league, uh, Trumbo, uh, 260, my back of the envelope would be 260, 35 homers, five stolen bases. And, uh, you know, that sounds like something that Myers can do, but it's not definitely something that Myers will do. 
Um, so you have the, you know, and I guess you could say it's not definitely something Trumbo would do, but it kind of is. I mean, he's he's hit most of those benchmarks for three years running, you know, or come like within a homer or two or something. Whereas Myers, you know, 11 homers in basically half a season, he didn't, he hasn't shown Trumbo power yet. So um, you're banking on the fact that Myers is, is running a little bit more than Trumbo and has so far shown a better batting average. But, you know, they both strike out 25, 26% of the time. They both should have uh, lower batting averages. You just have to, you'd have to bank on Myers being one of those guys that can, uh, you know, perpetuate a, a great batting average on balls in play. Yeah, and he has. I mean, all throughout his minor league career, he's even had stints where his BABIPs have been over 400, and that's happened several times. And uh, so far in the majors, he's showing uh, a good batted ball mix that would lead to a high BABIP. Not necessarily 359 like he's doing it now, but definitely a higher mark than Trumbo, meaning that given the same strikeout rate, you would expect Myers to have a, a slightly higher batting average. Maybe he's a 260 to 270 guy where Trumbo is more of a 250 to 260 guy. So so you're going with Trumbo. I mean, I'm definitely going with Trumbo once you consider draft costs, just because... No no consideration of draft costs. Yeah. Assuming you have a choice between the two, who do you take? Uh, I mean, if they're, if they're at the same draft slot, I would take Myers just because I, I love upside. And uh, I think it would, be, it would be really exciting to go after a 30-20 guy. Um, you know, a 30-15 guy. Um, and I think that his batting average uh, upside goes all the way up to about 280. Um, and even that means to me that his, his, his floor is probably like a 280-20-10 guy, um, which still has a lot of value if it doesn't work out. But his ceiling is definitely past Trumbo's. So if, it, if they're at the same cost, I would take... Uh, I would take Myers, but you know, considering cost, I would take Trumbo probably. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. Personally, same cost, I would actually take Trumbo just because I think Trumbo is already there where Myers' upside, I mean, maybe his ultimate ceiling is probably higher than Trumbo, but Trumbo is already a 30 to 35 on one guy. That's probably the most we can hope for next year from Myers. Steals should be, you know, rather similar. Counting stats, RBIs and runs, I'd probably be a little more comfortable with Trumbo. And yeah, Myers probably will hit for a slightly better average. So it's more power from Trumbo versus a slightly higher average from Myers. I think safety-wise, I think I would take Trumbo. But it's hard to separate cost from this because you have to assume that Myers is going to cost a lot more than Trumbo just because the hot youngster always seems to go for a lot more than the boring, established veteran. And where do you normally fall on this in your leagues? Do you usually opt for the boring, undervalued veteran, or do you like chasing the upside? Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, and I've seen this a little bit. Um, I, I like to uh, go after upside on the pitching side a little bit more. And... Uh, and if it looks like I'm overpaying on pitching, it's usually overpaying for maybe a post-hype sleeper pitcher guy that had like maybe a first bad year, but you know has a lot of hype left uh, or a lot of upside left. Because pitching for me, I end up uh, having to I'm bargain shopping a lot, and I'm and I'm trying to buy after the curve and try to you know end tiers rather than begin tiers and stuff. So um, you know, with pitching, I definitely go after upside. 
with hitting, I try to go for reliable. I'm a little bit more reliable, and I find that um, a lot of those are are, uh, are are cheaper. So um, yeah, I didn't I didn't take Harper in the second round, for example, right? So Myers, I think, will be uh, will go in the second to third round next year, just because I feel the same hype that that came with with uh, Harper, and I think people will just be talking about you know his tools and his power and all that. I'm not taking uh, Myers in the second round next year. Um, I think Trumbo doesn't go until like the fourth or something. So I'm definitely like we're going back to that cost thing. I definitely, you know, the the very expensive hyped young players for the most part on offense, I I, I take a pass. Yeah, I think Will Myers next year is going to be one of those guys who has the potential to completely shock me on how early he goes in drafts and how much people are willing to pay. Because every year, until you start seeing the first mock drafts, there's always going to be guys, new names that appear. And and the first time you see them, it's a surprise. It's like, oh my God, people are drafting this guy so high. And then as more mocks go on, then you get more used to seeing the name. But I definitely think Will Myers is going to be a perfect example of that guy that's going to shock me when I first see his name in like the end of the second round or early third round, like, wow, are, are people crazy? What the heck are these people expecting? Uh, I kind of feel like for some reason that hitters get more helium than pitchers, though. So, like, for example, I owned Matt Harvey like six times this year, which sucked when he got hurt, but I owned him for six times, and he won me like a couple leagues. So, uh, but what happened was that Matt Harvey was great, um, you know, last year. And I don't know why uh, people didn't pick him earlier, and I picked him in like the sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds, which might have been a little bit "quote unquote" early. But with my strategy, you know, I ended up doing a lot of Joe Gonzalez and Matt Harvey, or uh, you know, like a second tier ace and Matt Harvey, James Shields and Matt Harvey. These are the kind of combos I got, and it really worked. So um, I, you know, I'm going to try it again next year. Just try to, you know. One old pitcher, one young pitcher, and, and, and try to get ahead of the curve on, like, get Jose Fernandez along with Gio Gonzalez or something. Yeah, if you try to get next year, don't go with Matt Harvey. Go with somebody else. Right, exactly. But, I mean, I mean that sort of philosophy. But they, I don't think you can do that with hitters because, you know, like, look at Bri- Bri- uh, Bryce Harper this year. He went, he went in the second round and for a lot of, lot of drafts, and that was too early for him. Yeah, and let's talk about Bryce Harper because he's dealt with hip, knee, and shoulder injuries already this year. And I remember we talked early in the season about how shocked – I know I was shocked. I know there was one league, either it was a mock draft or it was a real league, where he went like 11th overall. And it was nuts. And it seemed like every mock or real draft that I participated in, he went earlier and earlier and earlier because he was getting so much hype. And owners, I guess, wanted to be that – guy to say they owned him when Bryce Harper went 35-25. And, I mean, first of all, is it too early to slap the injury-prone tag on him? I think it probably is, but, you know, what? I mean, well, just, you know, his third season will be the the big deal. But the the thing that's funny is that if you actually take his stats and pro-rate them, which I know, you know, at least a couple people will roll their eyes at it, but, you know, just just to, like, you know, just as an exercise in – in, in, in what ifs. If you took his current stats right now and uh, added half of them back on top of them, um, because he's, he's only at 430 p- plate appearances, uh, he would have, uh, he'd be touching, he'd be getting close to 30 homers 
and uh, and 15 stolen bases with a 270 batting average. So, I mean, uh, if he would have been healthy, I know it's woulda, coulda, shoulda, but if he would have been healthy, maybe some of those guys would have gotten their second-round return. Yeah, this is true. I mean, the disappointing season primarily came from the missed time. And, uh, I mean, he basically did break out. I don't know if it's the major, major breakout to earn an 11th overall, even if he stayed healthy all season. Yeah. But he definitely took a nice step forward from last year. The walk rate improved. Uh, the power improved. The home run per fly ball improved. And, uh, I mean, steals-wise, he stalled bases at a, a slightly lower rate. I think that's actually significant because if you – if you look at his body type and you look at his history, uh, I definitely think he's going to be one of those guys that only steals bases when he's young and when you know when it makes sense and be opportunistic and stuff like that. I don't think that he's going to be. I think that he's going to morph into more of a standard power guy as he ages. Yeah, I mean, next year I think more of what like a ten to twelve steals. You would feel comfortable projecting over a full season. Full a full a full season, you know, cocktail napkin projection for me right now would be two seventy thirty ten. Yeah, that seems seems reasonable. Uh, I mean, thirty home runs is probably. Yeah, maybe I'd say uh, like twenty eight to be safer. But you know what? I mean, his average batted ball distance was over three hundred feet this year, which kind of justifies a, about a twenty percent home run per fly ball ratio. The problem is, is that he hits too many ground balls. I mean, he's only at 32% fly balls. We want to see more of a 36-38% for a real power hitter. And if he did that, then I think his ultimate upside, he could be a 40 home run guy. But he just doesn't hit enough fly balls at the moment to do that. Yeah, it's funny that his distribution looks like that. I mean, his swing when you watch it just as a, you know, just as a fan or, you know, watch it from a critical standpoint, it, it, it's a high energy, high max effort, power swing. Um, and it's actually sort of surprising he doesn't strike out more. I mean, he does have that swing strike rate that is, you know, you know, like not, it's not, it's almost bad. I mean, it's not great. You know, 11, 11% swing strike rate is definitely above, is worse than average. So, um, you know, I think maybe he, he might have some strikeout years, uh, at the end of his career, but, um, you know, when he's young, he's going to have that compact, you know, fast, high energy, max effort swing, and it's going to. Uh, I think it's. I think he's going to have some really monster power years. Yeah, I mean, if there's any concern, it's against lefties. Last year, a 3.10 wOBA. This year, a 2.97 wOBA, and uh, so that's an issue. I mean, he he doesn't show any power versus lefties. His BABIP is way down, which is strange because his walk and strikeout rates are. His walk, he actually has a higher walk rate against lefties this year than righties. And his strikeout rate, while worse, it's, it's not that ridiculous when you consider it's lefty-lefty. So it's just a matter of power and just ability to get hits on balls in play. So if that ever comes around, maybe you should talk to Curtis Granderson. Then, yeah, the monster years will show up sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's... it's it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, in some ways, I'm more inclined to say that he's more likely to be worth a second round pick this next year because he showed that he he took a step forward in power. He showed that he still got power and speed, and he showed for you know importantly that his strikeout rate's going to stay the same. 
um, I think, because it's two years now of, of, you know, basically major league average strikeout rate. Um, in some ways, I'd be more likely to spend a higher pick on him next year just because, you know, all these things went in the right direction except for health. And I don't, I don't, I tend to be uh, nice to players when it comes to health as long as possible. I, you know, I try to wait to make sure that they're really have a problem staying healthy before. I, you know, give up on them. I mean, I, I, I still took too low in like the beginning of the second round this year. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I'd be, will, I love having, you know, high value players in there and then try to get guys off the waiver while they're hurt. I mean, I feel like that is something that we need to also look at ourselves when it comes to valuing players. Um, and, and when we give auction values, like we need to consider if we want to, um, you know, prorate some sort of replacement level player into the missing time that players have. Uh, because if you had Bryce Harper for 431 plate appearances and you got 20 homers and eight stone bases, and then you picked up, uh, I mean, even just like a Christian Yelich type or something, you would, you, you might have right now out of that spot in your lineup a 280 batting average, 24 homers, you know, 15 stone bases. And, you know, you kind of want to give that value to Harper because that's the guy you drafted. Yeah, it's kind of valuing a roster slot rather than valuing a player. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, uh, not, easy, to, uh, not easy to figure that one out. So, uh, because, it, you know, the thing that's so hard, obviously, is that every league is different. And, uh, and you know, is Christian Yelich actually available? And where you set that replacement level, you know, is, it has to be very league-specific. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely in a shallower league that's uh, a better thing to do than in a deep league. Because, like, in an NL only, you're basically supplementing Harper with some some scrub fourth outfielder that isn't going to add a whole lot of additional value. But in a shallow league where you have some decent outfielders who play every day, then it definitely boosts uh, Harper's attractiveness if you factor in the potential for injury. Uh, so... Preseason, I actually projected Harper for 25 home runs, 20 steals, and and that ended up – I valued him as the 14th best outfielder. So knowing this and what a 14th outfielder would look like, where would you value him next year? Is he a top 10 guy? Because I'm sure I was probably a little more pessimistic than most, and, and most probably had him in the top 10 preseason. Well, it's funny because I would take away steals of the rare commodity, and I would take away steals out of my projection for next year, but I would add home runs. So, like I said, I'd make him a 28-15 guy or something, uh, or a 28-12, which means that probably his value doesn't go much further up. I mean, maybe he's top 10, um, but, uh, you know, like, we'd have to look at... Uh, we have to look at some players. Let me uh, maybe Yahoo can help us out here with a little ranking. But um, who? I mean, you know, Braun takes a step back, but he's still at the top of his game. Uh, I mean, in terms of he's still at the top of the, the rankings, um, even if you take a you take him back a step. Um, you know, I, who's who's at the bottom of the top ten? Adam Jones. Well, how about yeah. Justin Upton? How would you compare Harper and Upton? Because um, I liked Upton more than Harper heading into the season. I'm, I'm pretty sure I valued him higher. But I might take uh, I might take Harper. He's younger. There's a little more upside, and uh, Upton has proven that the, the strikeouts are going to be a thing. Um, and it, and his steals are down this year, 
and he actually has one less steal in more at-bats. So that's a concern that the Braves just aren't running this year, and who knows if they're going to run next year. All right, so according to Yahoo, you know, in just reverse-looking value so far this year, it's Chris Davis, Mike Trout. Chris Davis ahead of Mike Trout. Uh, That's kind of crazy. Uh, I guess it's the RBIs. You know, Chris Davis has 40-plus more RBIs. So Chris Davis, Mike Trout, Adam Jones, Andrew McCutcheon, Jacoby Ellsbury, those guys are all going to be in the top five again. Uh, Alfonso Soriano is sixth. He's not going <laughs> to not putting him in the top. That's five. crazy. He's not going to steal seventeen bases. Hey, he's he's another uh, tally in the grizzled established veteran column versus Will Myers. You can just fill your team with the Jason Worth, Alfonso Soriano, and and you'd be a happy man. Yeah. Uh, Cargo is going to stay in the top. Um, Hunter Pence. No, I'm going Harper over Pence, certainly. Harper over Pence, for sure. Uh, Harper over Kadire. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harper over over Rios. Harper over Worth. Harper over Chu. Harper over Carlos Gomez. That's that's another guy I was going to ask you about. Uh, I mean, you got you got to go with Harper over Gomez, just because you know Gomez is not going to help your batting average. Well, Harper might not necessarily either, but I think Harper's batting average upside is a lot. Gomez higher. is a bigger batting average risk, I would say. Yeah, and, and the counting stats. I mean, the runs and RBIs just aren't going to necessarily be there for Gomez. So, uh, I mean, Gomez really only has him in steals. So, I mean, unless we uh, okay, so Jose Bautista is the only one I see that like had a bad year that might uh, sneak into the top ten. So. Uh, so Bautista, if you want to count in the top ten, Gomez two, uh, Cargo three, Ellsbury, McCutcheon, Jones, Trout, Davis. So that's your top ten. I think Harper's in the top ten. Harper's in the top ten, and he might be in the top eight or so. All right. Well, there's our earliest. And you know, you could take him over Adam Jones. You know, yeah. Adam Jones is stealing fewer bases every year. He doesn't necessarily, you know, he isn't going to have a necessarily going to have a 290 batting average next year. I I think I would. I mean, to kind of justify my article about Adam Jones being overvalued, I think I kind of have to say that I would take Harper over Jones. But I, I still think I would, just because I like Harper's skill set a lot better. He's younger. He's got the upside. And when you look at Adam Jones, you wonder how he's this good. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit of a three swinger, you know. Toolsy, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna swing at it, kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, I mean, he's not old enough yet where you have to say, oh, those tools are gonna degrade. So I would still, I'd still project him for 28 and 10 next year. So he's, you know, that's basically my Harper projection, which it just means that I'm, you know, I'm saying that Harper has more upside beyond that. So I think Adam Jones, Bryce Harper, that's. That's where you're going to be making decisions. Yeah. All right, let's move along to also speaking on the under-the-radar theme that we talked about with uh, Jose Fernandez is Ubaldo Jimenez, who until I started looking at him in recent weeks, I had no idea how good he's been. So here are some rankings. Last 30 days in strikeout percentage, he ranks second. Second half ERA of 194 ranks ninth since the beginning of June, 263 ERA. Is Obaldo Jimenez, has he turned the corner, and is he now mixed league relevant and beyond just a streaming option? Um, you know, he's a, 
Yeah, I've, I've been owning him, actually, in, in mixed leagues for a while. But I, I haven't really been playing him every week. I've been trying to – he's been one of those bench guys where you you put him in for two starts at home. I like him at home because um, it suppresses homers a little bit. And um, and I, I do want him to have a little bit of help, you know, in order to play him. Because he's still, he's still got bad control. He didn't get any velocity back. And basically, the way that he got his swing strikes back was by um, by breaking out a split finger, which he hasn't really used before. So actually, somebody asked me about that in the comments. And if you look at the BIS data, yeah, it shows an increase in the splitter, a decrease in the change. But if you look at the pitch FX, he barely throws a splitter. The change is actually up slightly. So I just assumed that that was just some error in the the collection. And and that it's really being confused the two pitches and there it's really the same, that's my assumption but I don't know. Um, well let's uh, let's check it out then. Um, let's see here this year according to Brooks, um, and since they hand do their their uh, their classifications I believe them, he is throwing a splitter seventeen percent of the time. Seventeen percent. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, obviously that's, and, but there's no change up basically. So now we need to figure out if he used to have a regular change up and he split and he changed to a split because splits and changes, uh, screw up the classifications. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the Samarja thing. It's just, you know, split change. I mean, if you look at the velocity from 2011 to 2012 of his change up, he lost two and a half miles an hour on his change up. Now that might also correspond to a declining velocity on his fastball, but his splitter is harder than his changeup, which again makes me think that they're kind of confusing the two, and and the splitter is really the change, and it's just really one pitch. No, he's 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 been slowly split, split, um, changing over. Uh, according to Brooks, you know, uh, in 2011 he threw the changeup 12% of the time, the split 4% of the time, and then last year he threw the change 5% of the time and the split 12% of the time, and then this year. He's not throwing the changeup at all. Huh. So, so I, weird. So maybe the pitch affects that. It's just completely wrong. Well, to be just to be fair, it's hard because people call the split finger a changeup. So, you know, you know, and even when you look at Brooks, the difference between um, his split and his uh, – I'm going to go to this year because in the past uh, there wasn't much of a difference. But obviously he's refined the use of his splitter. The difference between the splitter and his change right now is two inches of vertical movement. It's pretty big. Yes, but one one uh, mile per hour velocity. Right, and they do they look at movement when classifying, or is it mainly and velocity and velocity? So just because it's because it goes eighty four, eighty five, and has totally different movement from a slider and curve. You know, it has um, you know it has arm side run right so and sliders and curves you know have glove side run uh, glove side cut uh, they basically that's a change up you know a change up goes towards your arm and goes you know 10 or it goes you know 7 to 10 miles an hour slower than your fastball so that's they just see change up and the difference between the split and the change is something you almost have to look you have to look by eye or you have to have a nice advanced um, algorithm so uh, I, I don't blame uh, PitchFX. It's just one of the reasons why I, I look at Brooks from time to time. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so I think the split finger, you know, in terms of outcomes, um, the split finger gets more whiffs than his changeup and gets more ground balls. So I think it's been uh, a healthy, a healthy move for him. It not maybe not in terms of health, because some people think the split finger is bad for your arm, but it it has been uh, a good thing for him in terms of peripherals. So I think it's helped uh, also give people a new look. Um, and that's why his swing strikes are up. He's, he's back to being the Obaldo of old, which is, you know, whip killing, uh, strikeout machine. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I've, I've used him against weaker offenses and in two start, uh, two start weeks for a while now. So, I mean, basically he still hasn't done enough to get him into your lineup on a weekly basis. He's still basically a matchup play in your eyes. Well, he's got a 1.4 whip and, uh, you know. I have to be careful about putting that in my lineup, I feel like. Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of agree because, I mean, as much as he's turned things around and I think this is, for for the most part, it's a legit turnaround. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a 362 guy, but, you know, closer to four, clearly, you know, 540, right, 468, that's in the in the rearview mirror. That's not happening again. And, and so Ubaldo is pretty much back to old, which is pretty amazing given his velocity decline, but... He still has awful control. He's not going to help your whip. He is in the American League, so I'm not that confident that he can continue striking out over a batter per inning. Um, so he, you know, he's still he's a matchup play to me. He's not an every week guy in a, a mixed league. Yeah, but you know, the nice thing is that Cleveland uh, Cleveland helps those matchups along. Yeah, given the well, except when they face the Tigers, of course. <laughs> oh, was that in Cleveland that that massive game? No, I mean, I'm not even looking at his game log, but, I mean, that's the one team, obviously, in the division that you want to stay away from. Right, yeah, I guess so. Now, speaking of Detroit, Anibal Sanchez, the animal. What happened with him this year? He ranks 10th on CBS on the year, despite missing time with a shoulder strain. I valued him at 43rd. I'm sure I wasn't really any different than everybody else. And uh, he's been... Amazing. A 250 ERA, 115 whip, striking out over a batter per inning. Those strikeouts have gone through the roof. Uh, how legit is he, and, and, and where do you rank him next year? The best swing strike rate of his career is pretty amazing. Um, and the best velocity of his career. I don't understand it, personally, because uh, he's a labrum survivor. He's 29. Uh, this is about the time when, you know... And in tandem with shoulder problem, you know, a shoulder DL stint, I can't, I know I'm going to get killed for it. I don't, I know that the commenters are, you know, going to get angry, but I'm not going to project him much better next year. I'm going to project him as a, as a guy in the top 25, maybe top 20, like a, a like a, a, a number two that he's, he's I'm not going to have him on many teams next year because I'm just too worried about the innings totals based on. You know, the fact that he had shoulder surgery in the past and now his shoulder is hurting again. Yeah, and he's actually never topped 100, uh, 196 innings in a season. And uh, we always say that health is a skill, especially for pitchers. And for me, and this is one of the reasons why uh, I always seem to rank Chris Sale a bit lower than most thought he deserved to be ranked, because until as a pitcher you prove that you can throw 200 innings, I'm probably not going to believe that you could throw 200 innings. And that's a skill. I mean, look at James Shields. Every single year, he's among the league leaders in innings pitched. 
and uh, you can either do it or you can't. And so far, Anibal Sanchez has not proven that he can do it, and that's going to limit his strikeouts and uh, his wins. Yeah, and, you know, it's just uh, the, the health concern with him is is legit, I think. Um, I mean, it, the surgery is one of those ones that kills uh, the careers of older pitchers. I mean, it's, it's what is going to kill Roy Halladay's career. And if you look at it, it took him um, – you know, he had, I think, I think he had it in 2007. 2008, he didn't pitch in the major leagues. I mean, he pitched in the major leagues 50 innings, but he was terrible. 2009, uh, he pitched 80 innings in the, ma- in the major leagues. So, you know, it took him almost two years, three years to really, to really get going. And even then, you know, he, uh, he wasn't quite the Anibal Sanchez that he was in 2011, 12, and 13. So, um, I think that might have been his peak, and, I, and I'm just I'm too for afraid to, to pay for uh, peak prices for, for him in the future. All right, so next year, who do you take, Anibal Sanchez or Matt Cain? Um, well, that was pretty good because, you know, Anibal Sanchez has more um, upside when it comes to strikeouts, for sure. So... Uh, I would take Animal Sanchez, but I do think that's the over/under in a way, uh, because um, I don't think that Matt Cain's going to go for number one prices, and I don't want—I uh, don't want to pay. I would pay Matt Cain prices for Animal Sanchez, basically. Yeah, I mean, Animal Sanchez is cle- clearly not going to end up on any of my teams next year, just given the type of year that he had this year and uh, and his injury profile and everything. Uh, I'm going to go Matt Cain, though, because I, I, I still – I mean, Matt Cain baffles me, and he probably baffles a lot of us stats guys. And I really have no idea what he's going to do, but I think I'm a little more confident that he rebounds and the fact that he is in the National League. Yeah, I'll give up the strikeouts a bit, but I think just being in the National League, I think I'm a little more confident in the ratios and his uh, innings. And, uh, I mean, he's obviously shown in the past that he can be a sub-3 ERA guy. Not necessarily going to expect that next year. But I think I would be a little more confident in a rebound uh, from Kane being in the National League. And so I would take uh, Kane over Sanchez. Now, given your answer here, I think I know where you're going to go in the next one. How about CC Sabathia versus Anibal Sanchez? Mm, I... Uh... So this is not an obvious Anibal Sanchez after what Sabathia has done this year, it seems. Well, I mean, Sabathia's a horse. He's like he's like a Kane-level horse. Um, and he also had more strikeouts than Kane. And uh, he usually plays for a team that, that scores a lot of runs for him. So, you know, this is the first year in CeCe's... You know, not his first year in his career, because early on he had some four ERAs. Uh, but... This is the first year since 2006 that CC hasn't been basically an ace. Um, you know, we made a big deal about the velocity, but he actually started um, putting on velocity as the season went on, and uh, then he started having a homer problem. So, um, and besides the homer problem, he also had a, a walk problem where. Uh, he went two starts in a row where he, he walked a total of 11 batters, and then two starts ago he walked four batters. Uh, but his overall walk rate is right in line with career norms. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that I'm going to take the uh, I'm going to take the wimps way out and say, given cost, I'll take CC. 
if we uh, factor... There's no cost involved. Right. I would take Animal just because he had a better year. You know, his velocity's looking good. He, you know, his, his, his peripherals year, year over year are trending a little bit better. And uh, I just hope that he would stay healthy. And, you know, there's no, there's no lock that CC's going to stay healthy next year. I think there was, this is the first year where people were like, oh, you know, he's, 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 he might get hurt some year too. Yeah, well, with every mediocre or poor start of Sabathia, I just keep on losing more hope for him because, I mean, I, I have him in, like, all the leagues that I, I care about this year, and I've gotten laughed at way too many times in the comments every time I ranked him in a tier that everybody thought was way too high. So, I don't know, I'm, just, I'm losing confidence in Sabathia. I don't know what to expect anymore, so I'm going to take Sanchez as well. Last one, Matt Latos or Anibal? Latos. Latos is in the right. Latos is younger. He's in the uh, National League. Uh, he, I keep waiting for him to show some signs of getting hurt, but um, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. So, Latos. yeah, I'm going Latos. Also, same reason. He's proven that he can throw more innings and uh, healthier in the National League. I don't think that they're all that different in terms of uh, ratios. But uh, but Latos, for exactly those reasons, uh, I would take him as well. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. So join us again on Sunday for more fantasy fun. Oh, if you're oh, if you're just... listening to this, just the last minute announcement. Yeah. If you're listening to this in New York, uh, I've done a, a poor job planning this, but I'm doing a meetup tonight at uh, at the Ginger Man in uh, in Manhattan. And uh, probably going to start around 8 and uh, just be there for, for two or three hours. And, and I'll be there also. Yay. And it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, we're just going to drink some beers and talk baseball and beer. So uh, there's a meetup tonight in New York. If you, want, if you want to see us, see us. Otherwise, thanks for listening. All right. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.